Hello and welcome to the Voices from the Land, Indigenous Peoples Talk Language Revitalization Podcast, produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Tansi, I'm your host, Gordon Spence from the Tasquia Cree Nation in Northern Manitoba. I'm also the Indigenous Community Facilitator for the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Today I am joined by my colleague and co-host, Andrew Bomberry, a Mohawk from the Six Nations of the Grand River Territory. Andrew is a curriculum developer, writer, researcher, and teacher. Welcome. As part of the Legacy of Hope Foundation's mandate and mission, we are working to promote Indigenous languages revitalization as a critical step in the healing of generations of survivors and their communities from colonial policies and practices which rob Indigenous peoples of their first language. The goal of this project is to help support Indigenous languages reclamation through interviews with Indigenous language teaching experts. The target audience for this work are Indigenous language teachers. We hope that by sharing accessible podcast interviews with people doing interesting and relevant work on language promotion, we can help facilitate the sharing of knowledge, ideas, and practices that are relevant to the teaching and learning of Indigenous languages. While there are many contexts that are particular to specific nations and dialects within their regions, we are hoping to provide additional tools and platforms that can help with Indigenous language revitalization, despite the many differences. Our guest today is Zebedee Nungak. Zebedee Nungak is an Inuk originally from the Nunavik community of Pumangnuktung in northern Quebec. He is a writer, satirist, radio commentator, and former political leader who has helped produce several films and documentaries. One of these was titled Kalunat, Why White People Are Funny, which won a Gemini Award. Another was the experimental Eskimos about being taken from his home at the age of 12 and sent to Ottawa in an experiment to determine if Inuit children could withstand being educated among Kalunat children. The film, The Pangunga Gulusi, so that you can stand, tells the story of how a small group of Inuit and Cree visionaries fought the Quebec government and brought about Canada's first modern land claims agreement. Zebedee Nungak lives in Kangasuk, known in Quebec, Nunavik. His presentation has the same title as his recently published book, Wrestling with Colonialism on Steroids, Quebec Inuit Fight for Their Homeland. Welcome, Zebedee, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. How do Inuit who speak and understand Inuktitut differ in their worldview from a non-Inuktitut-speaking person? I've never really thought of it that way, but the view, I don't know if it can be called a worldview, but I would identify it better as an identity view. I am an Inuk. I come from a long line of Inuit who had survived and thrived in the Arctic environment without any help from the outside. People of this sort of ancestry have a natural pride in their ancestry and their identity. And a large part of that identity is the language because the language is very full it is complex. The vocabulary systems in all areas of life are complete. There's nothing missing. And people who are self-aware of where they come from and 
how strong that identity is, tend to be very self-confident, even if other people, such as colonizers, tell them they have nothing. And so being able to speak Inuktitut is not just a sense of pride in the identity, it is a sense of being complete in your environment, being able to thrive and make a living off of that environment, even if other peoples who are not of the same culture and language might think that where we live is a wasteland with nothing in it. The Inuit are from a very capable, proud stock of people who were self-sufficient in every way, and their language reflects it even today in its somewhat eroded state. It is a source of pride and awareness of identity, which identifies people able to still speak the language and are determined to keep it that way, even in the face of many challenges in the modern age. Excellent. Okay, next question. How much different or better is it to express oneself when speaking in Inuktitut as opposed to English or another language? I can answer that from a personal perspective. For the first nine years of my life, I lived in the tail end of the traditional quote-unquote Eskimo life, where we lived in igloos, snow houses in the winter, and lived in tents in the summer. And that infused me personally with the foundations of my lifelong identity. For example, I am still able to give a lecture on the vocabulary of igloos and shelters, which may not be relevant today because we live in uh, multi-story flush water, flush sewage systems. But having a connection with where we came from and where our people came from is very strong. The 12 years I spent inside formal education in English only were not able to rid me of my original primary identity, being able to speak Inuktitut, to be familiar with the language and culture and identity of being an Inuk. And that's how we have survived, even against the dramatic erosion of the language culture and identity because the identity and its foundations were so strong. For example, even though we don't use uh, kayaks anymore, or khayait as we call them in Inuktitut, I'm still able to name and identify all the particular pieces of its structure in Inuktitut and teach that to my children and grandchildren. It's somewhat akin to uh, people in uh, English formal education being taught Roman architecture and Greek mythology, stuff that does not look relevant now but are thought to be in that system somewhat helpful to the development of the thinking process. I'm trying to draw a parallel between that and Inuktitut and the confidence we gain from knowing the stuff of our language, culture, and identity. How important is it for you to speak to your children and grandchildren in Inuktitut? It's not just important, it is absolutely vital that I do this. Recently at an Indigenous Languages Symposium, it was pointed out several times that it takes only one generation to lose an Indigenous language, but it takes three generations 
to try to struggle to get it back. That is a real struggle. Many, many Inuit from other regions are going through this struggle. They are Inuit who have lost their language. And even the parts that I myself have lost in my 12 years in formal education are a struggle for me to regain. So it's not just quote-unquote important. It is absolutely vital for Inuit to still be able to speak their language in any forum, whether it be in the courts, in the medical system, in the political system, and in any area of life where Inuit have to assert themselves, not just for their rights, but for their identity, and tell non-Inuit that the world didn't start revolving only when foreigners and immigrants arrived. I know that uh, Inuktitut, uh, Cree, and uh, Ojibwe are the strongest, most widely spoken Aboriginal languages in Canada. Has there been a conscientious effort in your community to ensure that your native language remains strong to sustain itself for future generations? Yes. Back in 2008-2009, Avatak Cultural Institute, which is the Inuit Language and Culture Preservation and Revitalization Entity here in Nunavik, conducted a two-year process of assessing the condition of the Inuktitut language. This was a process of consulting the owners of the language themselves, the Inuit, instead of having language experts, so-called experts from the outside, come and tell us what's wrong with our language and how we can try to save it. Now, in that process, the Inuit gave us very strong advice on how they think the language, culture, and identity can be preserved even in the face of the challenges that are overwhelming us. When I say that, I'm mentioning television, radio, computers, video games, and all manner of other things that have a saturated life even in the Arctic communities. And they came up with a very solid list of things they told us that are required to maintain and preserve the language. Now, I can contrast that with French and English being official languages in Canada and French being the only official language in Quebec. When colonizers' languages are given that sort of official status, they are allocated millions and millions of dollars to maintain languages that are not in any danger of disappearing. That's French and English. I think the last time I checked, Canada spends in excess of $350 million a year to have official languages be supported. Quebec spent millions of dollars a year to enhance its only official language, French. That's on one hand. On the other hand, the governments can identify three indigenous languages as having some chance of survival and identify them by name, Inuktitut Cree and Ojibwe. But the problem with that is that none of the jurisdictions in Canada recognize these languages as official languages deserving of millions of dollars of support and infrastructure. And that is a fault with Canada and its governments 
that is making shuffling motions towards eventually correcting with the new Bill C-91, by which indigenous people will be able to negotiate funding for language preservation. What are some personal challenges one faces when learning to speak their native language? The main one for me was being immersed in a totally non-Inuit culture and language. From being an Eskimo in an igloo, I was immersed in the public school system of Southern Ontario and had to be just as proficient as the children my age who were not Inuit and be just as good, if not better, at learning what they were being taught. And so the dominant colonial culture having no room and space for indigenous instruction has been one big assault on the language and culture and the identity of, of Inuit. The colonial system not only treats the land and environment as colonial possessions, but has no regard whatsoever for indigenous identity with all of its content, including the language. And so Canada has to take many steps backward from what it has done since 1867, acknowledge the existence and the rights of indigenous people, recognize that their languages are precious and are really part of the Canadian fabric in all its wholeness, and are just as deserving of support and funding and recognition as English and French are. This is still a major piece of work outstanding after Canada has existed for over 150 years. What are some challenges a community might face when deciding to revive their traditional language? The lack of any infrastructure and funding and recognition of languages, indigenous languages as official languages, are big problems that have a lot of deficit to make up for. In the negotiations with Canada for content of the eventual Bill C-91 indigenous languages legislation, the Inuit of Canada were promoting the recognition of Inuktitut as an official language in Inuit Nunangat. And Inuit Nunangat covers four different governmental jurisdictions from the Western Arctic to the Labrador coast, from the high Arctic to the lower Hudson Bay. And we wanted Inuktitut to have a standalone official language status in the homeland of the Inuit. And we thought our approach was very reasonable because we're not promoting shoving it down the throats of Nova Scotians or Albertans, but having it become a recognized official language with all its uh, trappings and support in the lands where Inuit speak it and live it. Unfortunately, Canada is not ready for such a recognition we are left with piecemeal negotiate scraps of funding process where we are um, depending on government projects, not even programs. 
with all the rules that are normally attached to uh, government funding. Hopefully, a new understanding of the needs of indigenous languages will develop. Hopefully, the uh, government officials and ministers will will be will become more educated about the needs of preserving Inuktitut in the Inuit homeland, and eventually, Inuktitut being spoken in Parliament or in the Senate or in any political forum will become a natural part of life without it being treated as an oddity or a novelty. What are your thoughts on teaching indigenous languages in public schools? Public schools are very unfriendly as entities to ethnic instruction. Public schools are normally school boards and school systems and education systems are based on an all who breathe foundation and so are not receptive to having for example inuit specific language instruction with qualified teachers it's a strange foreign object to public school systems to have for example inuktitut being taught at any of the formal education grades it's an immediate challenge to a system that is designed not to be friendly to indigenous languages. But I think in the case of the Kativik Ilisarnidurinuk school board here in Nunavik, it fought hard to have Inuktitut be taught in the first three grades of formal education, which gave the students entering the system to have a stronger command of their mother tongue and then to later choose a second language, French or English, with a good basic command of their own identity language, which is Inuktitut. And this has proven to be a good basis for uh, giving young people at least a semblance of command of the language. And it has taken place in a public education system. There's still a lot of work to be done for the public education system to adapt itself to accommodating indigenous language instruction. And this is still not a completely normal part of life yet. And so we have a lot of work to do that in the public system, but also to establish instruction capability outside of the public system so that the language in all of its complexities will survive even in the face of uh, great modern challenges. If I may ask a question, I wonder what kind of instructional supports do you think are needed for that kind of reclamation, that kind of rejuvenation, if uh, the funding allows? Like, What would you envision as accomplishing these things? Well, for one thing, the last igloo generation are, are now the elders. That is my age group. These are the people who got a solid grip of their, of their identity and language from the life they lived. And so instruction in the language of Inuktitut can be done by people of my age. However, the uh, instruction regime would involve teaching people like me methodology. 
becoming enabled to transmit knowledge that we already own and do it in a way that transfers this knowledge in a proven knowledge transfer methodology that will make sure that what we know is passed on to the people we're teaching. And so that hasn't been tried yet, although there has been some programs in Nunavut that give three weeks or four weeks of instruction to elders to teach them how to teach and then to go forth and teach. And a teaching is, is really needed now on a very widespread, deliberate approach to cover all levels of Inuit society in the face of how the language has eroded. People who have the resources to enable such things have to listen to us. In Nunavik, we are ready with the report that we produced from the uh, language assessment program that we ran in 2008-2009. Uh, it's a report called Idriyabut, That Which We Treasure, and it has five very strong recommendations. It's actually a blueprint for saving and revitalizing the language which we are now starting to discuss with Heritage Canada. That sounds very exciting. If you wouldn't mind sharing, do you remember offhand what those recommendations are? They're major things, but uh, I'll try to be very brief. The first one is we call for the establishment of an Inuktitut language authority, a formal body or institution which will have charge of the vocabulary, writing systems, uh, modernization, and official recognition of terminology and everything to do with the language. So life itself was that when we were living our previous lives. But in the present day, Inuit feel we need a formal entity that will have that sort of authority. And two such authorities exist, one in Nunavut and one in Greenland. The second point is that communities need heritage centers, that is, places where the Inuit identity, language, and culture will have a welcome home where our information, our stories, our legends, all aspects of our identity will be maintained, not as uh, museum pieces, but as living things which deserve quality time attention. There are such heritage centers in the Arctic, but they are in very few places. The third item is enhancement right across the board of instruction in the language, not just in the formal education system. Although we also want the formal education system to drastically upgrade its instruction capabilities in Inuktitut language. But we are looking way beyond just the formal education system. We want to build the capacity for people like myself to be qualified to instruct and teach the language all across the board. The fourth point is establishment of Inuit cultural learning centers. Now, there is one such facility in Nunavut, in Clyde River, 
although the source of that is non-ethnic and governmental. They run it with a distinct Inuit identity toward it because they speak and write Inuktitut while they're doing this and they're managing millions and millions of dollars doing that. The point about this Ilirayevut report is that Inuitness, and by that I mean language, culture, identity, has to join the big time. It has to become a major preoccupation of modern life. It has to be part and parcel of what's going on in daily life and not just in museums. And so that may be a strange ambition to have, but it's no less a valid objective. Uh, When we see Canada spending $350 million a year on French and English, Quebec spending 18 to $20 million a year in French, languages that are not down on skid row, suffering close to elimination. We want our language to be as healthy as French and English, and that's what we'll be forcefully pushing for at any negotiations or any forum where we can speak about the need to have healthy Inuktitut language. Hmm. It doesn't sound like a strange ambition to me. It sounds like an excellent one. Well, it's strange in the colonial frame of establishments. Nobody in power, none of the members of parliament or the senators, except for the ones who happen to be indigenous, don't give it very much thought. And that makes it a very major piece of work to try to accomplish in the face of all this indifference from people who have the power and who can make uh, law and who can release the levers of funding. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think we're almost at the end of our uh, podcast. I want to ask Zebedee to make a summary statement in Inuktitut on Indigenous languages and importance of revitalization and retention. Hi, I'm here. April 2, 2019. Senate <laughs> I said at a Senate hearing on April 2, 2019, which was considering the indigenous languages legislation, I said this to the senator sitting in the committee room. In the future, I want one of my sons or my daughters to come before a Senate committee to address your successors entirely in Inuktitut, the language of our ancestors, and have simultaneous interpretation cover her speech so that your successors sitting where you are today will be understanding the speech given by my son or daughter, and there won't be anything strange about such a scene because Inuktitut will be such a great part of political life in Canada 
that Inuk Tijut speakers will be able to speak their language in those forums and nobody will think strange of it. I think that's a good closing remark because we are trying to impress upon the political classes, the people who have colonized us for over 150 years, that our language and identity is a distinct and very important part of the national identity of Canada and deserves the respect and recognition that we are seeking for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Zebedee. Uh, we've been talking to Zebedee Nunga from Northern Quebec. Uh, I think he is in Kangasuk, Kangasuk Chuad or Kangasuk. Thank you, Zebedee, for your very inspiring, very well said, well spoken interview. But I want to thank you for your contribution, your most valuable contribution to this project and I can't say enough of how much we appreciate the time you put into this and assisting us in this project. Thank you very much, Nakumik. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity. It's great to be given the chance to make these points and hopefully the listeners will see the benefit of what we've talked about here. Thank you, Nakumik. Thank you.